0: Hey everyone, welcome to B2B Made Simple. I'm Sam Moss, the CEO and co-founder of One Click Agency. On this show, I interview marketing experts from fast-growing B2B SaaS companies, we feature podcast episodes I'm a guest on, and sometimes we throw in a consulting call I've done with another company. Our goal with this show is to equip you and give you the tools you need to be the best marketer you can be. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to B2B Made Simple, a uh, marketing podcast for people in the SaaS and the tech industry looking to hone in their craft and learn from their peers. With me today on the show, I have Bianca Callings. She is the VP of Marketing at Scipio. Bianca, welcome to the show.
1: Hi. Thank you for having me, Sam.
0: Excited to have you here, and I'm excited to to hop into today's topic. But before we do, I like to ask a fun little question to kick it off. Um, my question today is: If you had to choose between Coke and Pepsi from here on out, what would you choose?
1: <laughs> okay, if you'd asked me two or three weeks ago, I was totally a Coke girl my entire life, and then I listened to Business Force, and he almost persuaded me to Pepsi because they're. <laughs> Okay. So then I went on the Pepsi train and then Coke just launched the most epic commercial I've ever seen. Cause it spoke to me. And if you haven't seen it, it's um diet Coke mom. Watch it. Diet
0: Coke mom. I haven't it's seen it.
1: Diet Coke mom commercial. I had, I had marketing tears coming out of my eyes. Watch that. Like, that is so amazing. So sadly I am fully persuaded by marketing, not by taste.
0: <laughs> so,
1: Coke, Pepsi back to Coke. That
0: I I love the comparison marketing wise between the two. Um, I think it was the 22 immutable laws of marketing, uh, that book or something similar dove into like kind of the strategies between the two. And mm-hmm. it's, it's so much fun to see from a B2B perspective, what they're doing in the B2C world. It's, it is pretty mind blowing when you think about just how creative they are. And,
1: uh, and so creative. And play with our emotions and our impulses. <laughs>
0: yes, yes, and I guess their targeting works because I didn't see the Diet Coke mom commercial. So yes, um, well, I'll and actually I wasn't targeted.
1: Uh, <laughs> somebody, our 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 head of product showed it to me. He's like you. Oh, there you go. And that's funny. Standing in the office, my jaw was on the ground. I mean, that is epic. I want a commercial. I want to go make a commercial just like that. I don't have Coke's budget, but
0: <laughs> well, that's what I'm going to do as soon as we get off this podcast. Is go, go look up uh, that one. <laughs> okay, Good. awesome. Well, it's good to know that you're you're more persuaded by the marketing instead of the the taste. Um, that's a good way to 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 look at things for sure. Uh, with that being said, we're going to be talking about marketing today, which is you know my favorite topic. And um, <clears throat> excuse me. To kick us off, uh, you do believe that marketers should be the first to test a new product when it comes out. And I thought that was really interesting that you brought that up. Um, can you start us off by sharing why that's so important?
1: Uh, let me give you a little disclaimer. I don't know that all marketers should, but my marketing philosophy for myself is I want to be on the front lines testing our product uh, Mm -hmm. before we send it off into the world. So I'm beta. And uh, for me to fully get in and empathize with my customer, I want to know what it is they're seeing, what gaps there may be. Just that full experience. And I've sat on a product for a year. I've sat on one for a month. Um, But the learning that I get is more valuable to me in that experience than almost anything else I can do. I mean, you can write a paper, you can, you know, technical writing and send me the how to's and the guides and the whatnot. But until I get in and immerse myself in the product, I don't quite understand how that's going to uh, affect my customer and how that customer, ha- how to communicate what it is, the value that we're offering them.
0: Mm-hmm. So you couple that with talking to customers, because I think a lot of marketers, um, some of the, the marketing thought leaders, they preach, you need to talk to customers, you need to talk to customers. I'm not saying I, I disagree with that at all, but is that something that you couple oh. with getting in the product?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I think... Your customers should be your greatest marketing team. Uh, I believe it's Jay Bear that says that, he's a favorite marketer of mine, uh, that I do speak with our customers. Now we're talking about converted full customers. Some of these
0: Mm -hmm.
1: products that I sit on, this is more to prospects. What do I need to uh, project in our marketing to attract the prospect, to know exactly that pain point we are solving, I need to experience the pain and go through and make sure that what we're presenting is that solution. Um, If you know the solution, you can backwards engineer that to make sure that you're talking to the pain. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, speaking with customers, that to me is a different um, kind of aspect of marketing. I absolutely do believe that we have to talk to customers on a regular basis. In fact, we just set a cadence recently. I mean, in the past, it would be if we were going to do a marketing push or we wanted to get some customer stories or up our SEO um, in one certain uh, topic that we wanted to promote, I would reach out to customers that fit uh, what we were trying to do. Now, we decided uh, once a week, we are on the phone with a customer um, that we're in in a certain uh, product that we're selling. Um, and it is vital because you can make your assumptions. You can think, you know, how they're using it, why they're using it. When you get on the phone, it's mind blowing. Oh, mm-hmm. you're using our product in a way I never even thought of using it. Mm-hmm. Probably how uh, the makers of duct tape, <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> you're that, in like the most creatively awful and wonderful ways. <laughs> no, not really. But um, they teach me things that I didn't know uh, because again, they're taking a solution and they're putting it into their box of um, mm-hmm. their pain. So yeah, I do. So,
0: what are you looking for? Um, so when you're in the product, I'm, I'm curious to hear like, what is your process when you're in there? Um, it's pretty, you know, we understand talking to customers, it's important, but I think something that is not brought up a lot is what you mentioned. It's getting in the product. So when you're in the product, what are you hoping to get? Uh, what do you hope sticks out to you?
1: Okay, there's there's two things. One piece would be is the is is the form, does the form meet the function? Like of what we're promoting, does it actually do what we think they want it to? That's mm. more of a product marketing role. Um let me give you an experience I had with we really wanted our product um to be more intuitive for sales representatives, sale development reps, and knew that people who used it right uh, had an incredible success rate. We're talking about if you send out 100 automated text messages, we could get them about a 70 to an 80% response rate. So if you think about like sending an email, if you pushed out an email to 100 people, you're not going to get 70 to 80 to respond. Um, Now I learned that because I... Took what we were doing and the sequence or the campaign. And I literally sat on it for one year and, um, I, it so it wasn't even necessarily just the product. It was okay. What type of messaging needs to be used at what time should this message be used? And so it's not just the product we were packaging. It's the thought leadership and the education mm-hmm. that went behind it. And it took me quite a long time to figure out That exact process when I did now marketing that to sales professionals, since I've sat in their seat, I can tell them exactly through messaging. um, I can catch their attention. I know what Mm -hmm. those pains are. So it's not necessarily just the product. It's how we want the product to be used. Mm -hmm. Um, And... You know, so with that sale development, right? It took me a year to dial that in. I, I'm going to tell you the first week I did it, I got two responses out of a hundred and I thought the product was broken. I went yeah. to a product marketer and said, there is something wrong. I sent out a hundred messages. I didn't get a single reply. And he looked at, you know, the back end of the day, he's like, no, all your messages sent. And mm-hmm. so it took me, um, several iterations and conversations with, uh, prospects to figure out what I needed to say to get them to respond from a text message.
0: Hmm. And you bring up an interesting point um, that this isn't just for product marketers, right? This is for the marketing function as a whole. You need to get in and at least familiarize yourself, right?
1: Yeah, and I'm thinking really high level from a VP standpoint. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily need the content, my
0: Managers, content or yeah. my
1: digital manager, or my graphic designer. Well, yeah. actually, no. Uh, graphic design to make sure that uh, it is intuitive. They do play a, a role in that, especially like in the UI. Is this intuitive mm-hmm. enough? Product marketers are usually the ones that you will see go in and have that experience with the product to make sure. But me, just at that high level, I want to make sure I am up in the sky looking down and making sure I see everything um, so that I can put all of those pieces together and make sure that we're running a seamless marketing campaign. And again, for me to do that, I want to experience it.
0: Mm -hmm. What do you think it does for our marketing when we can get inside the brain or the best that we can um, of the end user, what kind of benefits do you see from that?
1: Well, number one, we're not clueless. I <laughs> the funniest, So when you're having a conversation with a mark, oh, I didn't get, oh really? I don't ever want to go into an interview with a customer and um, be blindsided. So mm-hmm. at least, I mean, yes, there will be aha moments where they're using the product in a way that I didn't see. Like I used the duct tape example. Um, but just to be intuitive enough that I, that I'm there before they are
0: mm-hmm. with, uh,
1: the, again, the solution to the pain.
0: Mm-hmm. And I, another point is you can talk to the customers after you get in the product. So let's say you get in the product. You, you learn a bunch about it. You think you understand the language and the, the pain points, um, the features that they're going to be excited about, and you build like the foundation off of that. And then you go to talk to customers and then they fill in the pieces. And like you said uh, about the duct tape, oh, I didn't realize you use it that way. I feel like if you take that approach, you get this holistic um, view of both your customer's input and... Um, like the tactical, I was already in the product. And then you couple that feedback into one big marketing strategy.
1: Uh, yes, that's exactly it. When you come in knowing their pain, you or what it is you're trying to solve for them, you've laid this foundation. And it makes the conversations really, really comfortable. There's nothing worse than getting into a clunky conversation with a customer. Uh, mm. They don't like you. It's not a good relationship or nurturing experience. Um, so when you come in and you've already built this relationship where I get you, I understand what you're going through. Uh, and here's the solution that you've told us makes your life better. Let's see exactly what you're doing and how you're using that. And they do fill in those gaps. And that's all this is. It's learning and learning and more learning. There's nothing that I love more. Okay, than sitting on the product, that's not even first it's, it's mm-hmm. communicating with our customers. And I sit in all of those interviews, every single one. Uh, I have a, the, a product marketer in there with me and the content uh, manager uh, with me as well. But I, again, I just love to immerse myself in their experience.
0: Mm-hmm. So when it comes to a customer meeting, I'm curious, how do you uh, approach that? And how do you even get them on the phone or the Zoom call um, for that meeting? Is that something that's already set up with an executive in in your company and you just say, hey, I'm going to tag along for the final 10 minutes of the meeting to kind of talk to them? Is this something you reach out cold and set up? What does that look like?
1: Well, we first, I look at, we look at the data. Mm -hmm. Each interview, there's an Intent for us. There's something that we want out of it, even though they don't know we want something out of it So there's some kind of question that I'm trying to answer or there's a gap or there's some some marketing campaign I know we're going to launch we're going to need content for that so I uh, go and look at the usage data for the customers and that will tell me who I want to interview Uh, for instance if I want somebody that is sending out um, a million messages and has a really high response rate, I wanna know who they're communicating with, why, what did they say? Um, or if, I'm, if I want um, to talk to somebody who uses campaigns and sequences really well, I'll look at someone who has a high usage of campaigns and sequences. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's that's, these are two very broad examples, but we'll go into the back end. I'll look at the data. I'll pull a list of users that, that match the profiles that we want. Um, or the easiest is industry specific. Let's say we're, um, going to an event in Atlanta and we're speaking with sales VPs and I want testimonials and case mm-hmm. studies for them. I will go and I will pull a list. And if your customers are actively using your product, they're most likely advocates. So Mm -hmm. I always wanna look for high usage. And uh, that's how I'll approach, and we reach out to them. I reach out to them as the VP of marketing. Hey, I'd really love to hear your story. Do you have 20, 30 minutes so we could sit and chat? And I do give them something on the back end, very, you know, small, but we also promote them. These are all Mm -hmm. businesses we're working with, so. I'm gonna promote your company. We're gonna tag you in the story, uh, in all of our social, on YouTube, uh, on our website. And uh, I mean, who doesn't want to backlink, right? We're gonna we'll right. link <laughs> that, they, that they want us to link to. And I've never had anyone tell us, no, honestly, every person that cool. I've ever reached out to a customer story, they're very willing.
0: That's good to know. So that's interesting. You, um, you reach out, you also give them something in return. You kind of pitch the value of it. And then a lot of times they're just going to say, yes, if you just approach it properly.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, and isn't that with anything? It's the way, it's, <laughs> the way we're, it's the way we approach things. I call it the marketing spin. You can make anything mm-hmm. sound great right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah I, i'm careful i'm not going to call somebody who just had an issue with a customer support or you know was upset uh, i mean that's that's a call for another department and yes they have those mm-hmm. calls as well yeah. but i i and i'm not going to call someone that's not absolutely not using the product because they're not going to be an advocate and again that is a call for another department and um, if someone's mm-hmm. not using um so it, yeah it's it's been it's been a good a good road
0: Mm-hmm. So we have listening to our customers. We also have—I don't know if I'd call it listening to the product, but just getting into the product. So we have two voices at us, right? Mm-hmm. There's also a a third, and this is more of a compilation of your CEO, your stakeholders, your VCs, etc. Um, and you can't always take their advice as a marketer. You kind of have to stand your ground and and know, look, this is what our customers say about us. And sometimes it can seem like way too many voices. So to you. What is a key indicator that you're listening to too many voices, especially from above, as hard as that can be? Um, and what would you do in that situation?
1: Uh, my first indicator when I'm listening to too many voices is it feels very chaotic. I feel mm. chaotic. It's not seamless. It's people pulling at me from several different angles. And yes, uh, stakeholders are going to have their opinions. Um CEOs are going to have their opinions. Your developers are going to have their opinions mm. because you are promoting something that they built, right? So they're going to be vested in whatever it is you're selling. And uh, your data is always going to be your best friend and nobody can dispute that, but there are certain things that you actually just don't even have data. I can't get the best data on a billboard or I mean, if you're talking about legit marketing. Now, fortunately for me, our CEO and our president have a very, very, strong background in marketing. So they get what I'm doing and why I'm doing, but at the same time, they have very, very strong opinions about what should be going um, out into the world. And Mm -hmm. um, honestly, it's, it's gotta be data backed because it's something that you just cannot dispute that, Mm -hmm. Hey, our customers, we've spoken to 100 customers and they came in through This ad, this is what resonated with them or A, B testing everything till the sun goes down. Because if you test and you test and you test, it's not opinions. The customers are literally telling you what they want to see and hear.
0: Mm -hmm. And is that something that you communicate to the people above you or even the CTO? Like, Hey, this is what a customer said about this. Um, I know that this is your baby. This is your product. uh, This is your vision but maybe we should go this direction with X. How do you, how do, what does that conversation look like? And how do you approach it?
1: Uh, fortunately, we have an, I have an incredible CTO as yeah. well. I'm, I'm going to just make everyone- It sounds be, like the like,
0: perfect, the okay. perfect okay.
1: Uh, well, opportunity. Well, our executive yeah. team, uh, we have, we have a good foundation and we communicate really, really well with each other and that doesn't always happen now we're not a massive company either Mm -hmm. right we're under 40 employees and so it makes it easier to communicate on that executive level now the cto and i we meet twice a week and he is privy to all of the conversations that we have with our customers and he wants that i mean um He wants to be on the cutting edge and they're, you know, they're almost just waiting, oh, please tell us, how are the customers using our product? What is it that we're lacking? And I think it comes with humility in that position. I have a very well-seasoned CTO as well. He's been through, um, I mean, this isn't his first gig. And so he he said that himself, you know, I may not have been this humble and uh, open-minded in my earlier days, uh, but, and he's not that old really. (laughs) younger than me, but um, he's, like I said, this isn't his first gig. So he has learned when you really listen to what the customers are telling you, you will build to the customers. You want to build a house that somebody didn't want a door here or garage there, or you painted blue instead of gray. Like mm-hmm. if you really listen to those customers, you will build for them.
0: Yeah. Um, another question I have for you is you're not in the situation, but do you believe that if your CEO doesn't get marketing, uh, it's impossible to work for them.
1: I don't think it's impossible. I'm going to say it's hard, and it comes down to mm-hmm. a budget issue. There are, and I I have worked in this situation before where the leader was a developer, and they don't always understand the concept of um, spending. Why 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 do you want to spend so much money? And the the whole ROI bit that. I know I'm asking to spend X amount of dollars into this campaign, but I promise it will bring this return. And so the only thing you can do is start small, build equity,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but if you can prove yourself and show them, okay, have faith in me. I'm going to test this really small thing, you know, very low barrier. Let me prove to you that I can do this and I will bring you a return. And they see that you build a little bit of equity. And then you ask for a little bit more and you do it again and again and again until they're in your confidence and they, they're, you're in their confidence and they see um, the value of allowing you just to have that runway. Um, Because Mm -hmm. I think that's really what it is. It's hard for them to spend. And this is totally generalizing to my specific situation, but they just don't get the mindset of you have to spend money to make money. Mm -hmm. Um, So again, with my situation, it was just building equity one little piece at a time until we were there.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Well, Bianca, I want to kind of shift gears here and give you the opportunity um, to kind of become the podcast host. And what that means is if you have any questions for me um, at this point in the interview, you're welcome to shoot them over to me. So is there anything that comes to mind as we wrap up here?
1: Yeah. Okay. So, you have this uh, opportunity to interview several different uh, marketing professionals. We're from all over the United States. Uh, we have different backgrounds. And uh, in the last months, I would love to hear a piece of wisdom or just something new you heard that um, gave you pause. Maybe put your mm-hmm. jaw on the ground like, oh, I never <laughs> thought of it Give me something interesting.
0: <laughs> hmm. I, you know, I have a few. Um, I'll, you few. And I'll, I'll, and I'll maybe- give you a, yeah, I, I don't know if I can narrow you buy down a paper,
1: <laughs> one pager top 10 things you learned from you made simple.
0: <laughs> so the first one, the first one is really quick. And I can't remember who I was talking to with all of these, what kind of sparked it in my mind, but I'll just run through them. And if people want to listen, they can go searching for it. But the first one is that content is educational. It's not promotional. Um, it's very simple but very profound and I think a lot of companies get that wrong especially on organic social channels where they are building a company page or they have employees that are kind of brand ambassadors content's not prom- promotional and it's going to turn off uh, your buyers and it's also going to hinder your brand from growing so I think that's a big mistake
1: oh um, I, I just I absolutely agree with you. So- <laughs> You we can sniff it out. You can sniff oh out, my gosh, yeah. and you know your content's engaging just by like the read rate, right? And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I fully agree with you. Content is king, and I have a great content. I, tell, you know, I right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> and you know,
0: and that, to that point, ninety. So if ninety-nine percent of your content, so let's say it's a piece of content, and ninety-nine percent of it is educational, and then you ruin it with the one percent of promotion, um, whether it's hey uh, come meet with us here or like at the, the last half of your, your video that you put on LinkedIn, it's, Hey, this is how great we are. Would you like to book a meeting? I don't know. As like, as a content creator, and even as a consumer, it just seems kind of sleazy, not sleazy, but well,
1: I, don't, yeah. I go back and yeah. forth on it. My, something my mother always told me is let people discover their, your treasures on their own. Because when mm-hmm. you're just sitting there spewing, oh, I'm so wonderful. And, and you know, look at me and I do this and I do that. It's the biggest turnoff just in relationships. So when you can discover the value of a company just through their education mm-hmm. and the true value they're giving you, you are going to convert so much easier than the company just spewing. Oh, I'm so wonderful. This is so great. We're better than everybody else. And I love that you said, don't even add it into that 1%. Leave mm-hmm. promotional content for promotional content and and, yeah. and grab them through yeah. I love that.
0: Something, something. So something I've seen too, is people will, will say to me, so what we do is let's say we post on LinkedIn every once in a while, I will put a link in the, in the comments to sign up for our email list. And people are like, look at you promoting yourself. And I'm like, well, take a step back. If you actually look and look at our email list, it's actually a hundred percent educational content as well. It's just like you receive it So you don't have to see it in the LinkedIn feed and it's nothing is promotional in there. And I have to explain to people like, Hey, it may look a little promotional, but it's like, it's actually not. If you look at the content that we're sending out and the same thing with, let's say when our podcast comes out, we chop it up, we put it on LinkedIn, and then we put a link to our podcast. Again, if you, if you listen to the podcast and you know, that is a hundred percent educational. There's not an ad to our company. I try not to talk about ourselves on the show. It's educational for marketers um, in the B2B world. So I think if you look at it like that, it's just moving someone from one educational piece to another if they would like to go.
1: Right, well, and you still have to have the link there or they can't get there. So <laughs>
0: I know, I mean, me little- <laughs> it, there's like a
1: <laughs> half a yes, percent. For sure.
0: uh, so another thing that that stuck out to me, again, I don't remember where I heard any of this. Um, I know it was on the podcast at some point, um, but demand Just the definition of it was always confusing to me. I could never figure out what a demand marketer does and what their role actually is. And the more I immerse myself and talk to marketers um, on this podcast, I really realized that demand is moving someone that is not ready to buy into a buying cycle prematurely not necessarily premature, but earlier than they had expected or planned to. Um, So basically what I figured out is you need to identify what do you believe about X that will push someone into a buying cycle faster than they had ever planned. Or even if they had never planned it at all, what are you going to tell them that will convince them now is the time? And that's what you do through content. So that's Kind of like the aha moment I had for demand. I
1: love that. In fact, I just waited if I, if, I, if this were my podcast, I pull that as a quote. There's your full quote, <laughs> your, your quote right there. The, we'll
0: have to chop it up demand. into a video.
1: And you know, what it is? it's that urgency? You've got to figure out, okay, what from X to Y or whatever what, the direction we're going. The demand is getting it's it's the urgent piece. How do I speed
0: mm-hmm.
1: this up a little bit? Where what is the the urgency factor for this human? So. Mm -hmm. Ah, Yeah,
0: because you have you have your your capturing demand, which is people already in market. Uh, You can do that through paid search, um, people that are already looking for what you do. But then there's a segment of the market that you know, can use your product, but you're like, well, how do I get them there? Mm -hmm. And you move them into a buying cycle faster than they had planned. So that's kind of like how I think about it. And it's, I think that was a combination of multiple people on the show. I think we had Chris Walker on the show. So maybe he said something about it that kind of sparked it for me. Chris. Uh, I'm trying to think, I think I have, so one more um, this, okay. This was recent. This was someone I had on the show, uh, Amy Moore, and I can't remember where she said uh, if she got it from someone, um, but it was really interesting. And she said content needs to apply to your buyer before and long after you've solved the problem with your product. Um, So it needs to solve a professional or a personal need um, because if you, let's say you correlate your content all around your product. So for us, if it was websites, if we taught people, here's how you build a better website, here's how you get it to convert better. And then they go do that and now it's, they win. We are now useless in their mind when it comes to content. They're going to start to tune us out. But if we bring on awesome people like you and talk about marketing, if they buy from us, great. Guess what? After our service is done, they are continuing the relationship and learning from us because we have people that are speaking to their professional need through marketing. I think more people need to realize that when it comes to their content strategy.
1: Really great too, right? Don't don't be one and done. Keep them coming Mm -hmm. back resources that continue to educate and nurture them. Yeah. That's great.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so those know, are my, uh, my three pillars. Hopefully that, that gives you something. Yeah. Uh, love it. I love <laughs> spin
1: at the end too. Learn something. Yes. Thank you.
0: <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Um, Bianca. I uh, want to say thank you for joining me on the show um, before we go, can you give us like the quick rundown of what Scipio does and what you guys have going on?
1: Sure. We are, Uh, automated business texting for sales professionals, SDRs, the sales teams. We get responses to messages. We set more appointments and we get people converting through text message done like a human.
0: I like it. Very (laughs) nice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Bianca, thank you so much for joining me here on the show. It's been a pleasure having you here.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much.